welcome to episode 45 of Slaytanic Vercast. I'm Mo from France, and tonight, guys, I'm a little bit drunk, so brace yourselves. To my west, <laughs> broadcasting live from Emma Radakanu's hastily constructed trophy room, is Dr. Nick Wessence. How are you doing, Doc? Um, I'm fine. Uh, obviously, you um, you sort of dropped this, uh, this mission on me. Um, listeners, I don't often get direct instructions from Mo. Uh, but I, I, I got this very terse and short one today. Um, and I have to conceal my ignorance of um, all things outside my pod. But um, I had no idea who this lady was. Uh, yeah, so I had to go and find out. Yes, I did. And I, I, I booked you on an instant flight to New York, to Flushing Meadows. And, and, and you, you're ensconced somewhere in, in, in that young lady's hotel room. I, I hope you've been decent, Doc. Oh, I've been very decent. Uh, I've, I've, I've taken on a gaseous form this evening, so as not to alarm. Uh, I don't intend interacting with anything in here. Um, it's it, it'll it'll just be interesting to see it because I mean, obviously the um, the trophy cabinet um, to store uh, her international trophies is is is, is currently empty, mm. um, and. But, Presumably uh, awaiting the first of what what one hopes will be uh, many similar awards in the future. Well, today, you know, we're, we're, we're recording this, you know, for um, a, a peek behind the curtain. We're recording this on the evening of Sunday, the 13th, the, the 12th, sorry, of September. Um, and, you know, she, she's just won the US Open. First time of asking, coming in as a qualifier and blighty. Is proud of her, and no mistake. Um, you got any interest in tennis, Doc? Um, I, I know literally nothing about tennis. Mm. Um, I can recognise if it's on television. I can go, oh yeah, that's tennis. But <laughs> I I don't know what I, I don't know what the rules are. Mm. Um, apart from the three or four people that everyone can name, I can't name any tennis players. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I consider it, especially the men's game. Um, I consider it to be outside of any combat sport, you know, such as um, MMA or obviously judo, karate, those kind of things. I consider it to be the most pugilistic of all of the sports. I think it requires the most stamina. I think it requires the most kind of concentration over an extended period of time. And that's why I make the distinction between the men's and the women's game, because, you know, um, the men's game in the Grand Slams, they can run to five sets on occasion, you know, on a, on a, on a rare occasion. That, that can mean those poor bastards are out there playing for, what, five and a half, six hours um, of extreme, intense physical and mental endurance. That's why I love it, Doc. That's very interesting. Mm. Um, at the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, I've got to follow up a, a, a discussion we're having earlier. And I... I um, I know you've been interested in it for a long time, but I, um, I said, I raised the point to you that it was, um, I wasn't precisely refusing to say I was interested in it, um, but I'm determined to be not one of those people who suddenly decides that they love tennis and they always have done forever and ever. Oh yes. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> while I was, um, sort of taking a break and getting ready for us getting started this evening, um, a, <laughs> an anecdote from my distant past wafted through my mind and th this this would sort of be going back to about the year 2001-ish and there'd been some Winter Olympic Games on recently or maybe even at the time which wouldn't have been 2001 because 
Winter Olympics don't take place are numbered years. And there was, uh, the, the UK curl, GB curling team was doing quite well. And one of my co-workers announced that, that uh, they loved curling and they'd always been into it. <laughs> Honestly, unless you're Canadian or possibly Scottish, I refuse <laughs> to believe always been into curling yeah yeah like, curling is just great I, it's great fun to watch that's the one with the brooms isn't it doc yes um, i mean in a peculiar way even though once again i don't know the rules i've never played um and i know only two people who have ever played who i met later ever since i found out about it which i think would likely have been in the 1978 winter olympics um i just Love the idea that there's a sport which involves sliding a stone block across some ice and then brushing at it with it just looks fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, it's it's got such a hypnotic a hypnotic quality to it when you watch it. It's it's like uh, bowling, I suppose, like cr like crown green bowling, but just slightly more elegant, I would say, and even slower. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I remember that, that that became a bit of a craze, didn't it? When, when that particular women's team performed admirably at, at, at the Winter Olympics, so, so, suddenly everybody was interested in curling. Yeah, for um, the next ten and a half minutes, or That's right. like whenever the next football started, or whatever. That's right. Um, you got it. But, um, it, it, it is. It's just an absolutely hypnotic game to watch, um, particularly when it's on television and, and they they have the top down camera. Talking about games, Doc, do you want a video game update? Oh, yes, please. Now, I'm currently playing via PlayStation Now um, an old PS3 game called Puppeteer. Um, it's made by Studio Japan, and that should clue you up to the fact that it's absolutely bonkers. Um, <laughs> according to Wikipedia, here we go, Puppeteer is a side-scrolling platformer in which the player controls the character Kutaro, a boy changed into an animated puppet and immediately decapitated. Throughout the game... <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> Throughout the game, Kutaro obtains various heads to replace his own. Doc, it is absolute <laughs> Japanese insanity. It's brilliant. Um, <laughs> um, Ostensibly, you're playing this this character, uh, Kataro. Do you happen to know what that means, Doc? No. No, um, I just wondered, but I wondered if it, you know if that kind of meant puppet in Japanese. I was just taking a wild stab. You play this character, and each level that you play is a scenario being played out on stage. Um, so you're interacting with these kind of props on stage. Um, most of them are hell-bent on obviously causing you harm. Um, it, it was an absolute catastrophic flop when it was released. Um, but for my money, <laughs> it's one of the most audaciously imaginative games I have ever played. It's my third time through. Um, so I've played this twice before and, and, and I've come back for more, Doc. I just can't get enough of it honestly guys anybody into video games go and check out and if you've got a playstation you've got a playstation now subscription go and check out puppeteer it's fucking brilliant um 
New section. Well, it sounds like you had more fun with that. It sounds like you had more fun with that than you do than you did with God of War, in a way. Well, that's true. Yeah, God of War bored me absolutely tipless. Yes, you're quite correct. Um, time for the new section. What have we been listening to this week? Um, come on, Doc, hit me. What, uh, the first thing that comes to mind. I think we only want to do what we only really want to do one 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 entry here, so then I can cut in a track as appropriate. Yeah. Um, so, um, probably inspired by um, the fact that we were, we were commenting on, uh, as we often do, uh, Mr. Lombardo's drumming style. Yeah. Um, I was inspired to, uh, not all of this week, uh, but for a little bit of this week, um, slope off and listen to um, what I, I, I believe the, uh, the modern expression for it is yacht rock. Say it again, Paul. Um, um, the modern expression is yacht rock. Yacht rock. How do you spell that? Y A C H T. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Okay. Go on. Yeah. Got it. Um, so, which is a, a an affectionately satirical term, um, since it's sort of um, a kind of music which is loosely associated with that very Southern California lifestyle, um, when you have plenty of time and plenty of good weather to go sailing, yeah. um, and uh, when you're doing that. Um, it's the kind of music you should be sort of playing at sunset um, mm. when uh, when all the hard work is done. You can actually sort of relax on your on on, on your yacht and uh, watch the sun going down over the beautiful Pacific Ocean, presumably with a charming companion. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, if you're going to listen to stuff like that, then why not go straight to the best? And I, this is a band I alluded to. Um, I believe during our uh, critique of Mr. Lombardo's performance, I was listening to The Royal Scam by Steely Dan. Yeah, did any impressions? Um, it's as uneven as all album-oriented rock albums from the 1970s are. Mm. Um, it would make a great EP. Um, it would make the best four-track EP of, of its genre of the decade. Um, but it, it's it's overlong and it dawdles. And you know, when you're talking about um, very, very capable musicians at the absolute outer limits of their ability. It's got a, quite a few too, bit, too many bits in it that are a bit too self-indulgent. Yeah. Um, when it remembers, when, when the people involved remember that they're supposed to be writing songs to be enjoyed by other people instead of just themselves, and it's absolutely fantastic. Now, I note that you chose the, um, for the initialism AOR, you chose to go with album oriented rock i've always I've, I've always gone with adult oriented rock am i wrong um no you're not uh, i've heard both mm. um they obviously both describe the exact same thing um adult oriented rock speaks for itself uh, and i think it was an effort by people to put massive amounts of distances between themselves and the increasingly kiddie output of the glam movement in the ah, mid-70s. Yeah. Sure. Um, it equally makes sense 
um, that um, in an era when bands were running to longer tracks mm. uh, that wouldn't and they were also running to very very high production values which weren't necessarily best served by the seven inch single format um, so a lot of bands were reluctant to release singles uh, or didn't release singles and when radio DJs wanted to play their tracks, they had to acquire the album. And, you know, th- th- this is where you get the expression, it's like a, a, a cut from the album, because um, a lot of these people flat out didn't release singles. Yeah, yeah. Um, Led, Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin famously never released singles. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> that was more to cheat their record company, because they, they had a record deal whereby they obtain very very little royalties from singles but an above average amount of albums and they were smart enough to spot which way the market was going at the end of the 60s and they they signed this deal whereby they got a ton of money from album sales but very little from single sales so they decided mm. not to release any singles ever mm, mm. i've always kind of felt that you know the way that i went with with the adult oriented rock i always felt that was kind of used as a pejorative really you know like music for for old farts by old farts um i think by the 1980s it it definitely was yeah um i think in the 1920s uh, sorry i think in the 1970s it was very much an attempt to um tag along to uh porno chic mm. uh mm. so Effectively, um, these movies are not for little kids, right? Mm-hmm. And neither is this album. Yeah, adult movies, adult, adult album releases. That, that, that's what we're talking about, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, on my part, I've been listening to Anata. Are, are you familiar with it? Um, you have played me, you, you played me some Anata long, long, long ago. Mm. Um, I have to fully confess, I suspect it was late at night, and the likelihood of me being at your house late at night was probably in the aftermath of the consumption of much Banks' is bitter. Uh-huh. Uh, so I don't have very clear memories of what a Nata sound like. Um, would you right. please remind me? Yeah, well, I'm looking at uh, Encyclopedia Metallum as we speak. Um, an artery from Sweden. Um, oh, what a surprise. Um, and the genre of choice is technical death metal. Um, our, fra- our favourite section here, lyrical themes. Doc, I mean, do you want to have a go? <laughs> They've got three. Do you want to have, do you want to have five right. guesses? See how many you hit. Okay. If it's technical death metal, um, evil and darkness are, are, are not likely to be up there. Um, I'm right. going to say some sort of synonym for psychology. Some sort of synonym mm. for. Um, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you that. Yeah, philosophy. Some sort of synonym for spirituality. Uh, no, I can't give you that one. Oh, okay. Um, Although, <clears throat> I mean, if we say spirituality, would would religion fall into that doc? Definitely, yes. Yeah. So, um, so, so I'm going to give you anti-Christianity. Okay. Okay. Um, and maybe atheism. Atheism, well, it starts with an A, but in fact, it is just the word abstract. There we go. Um, okay. So, yeah, so lyrical themes, anti Christianity, philosophy, and abstract. So, basically, everything else. Um, 
five, uh, four albums under their belt. They, 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 they first released an album in 1998, which was called The Infernal Depths of Hatred. Um, but I've been listening to their second album, the sophomore release, which was Dreams of Death and Dismay, which is absolutely sensational. These guys, I mean, it's technical death metal. So uh, as you can imagine, they're, you know, they're pretty virtuoso in their ability. But they are also very, very distinctive. I think, I think somebody could play me an Anata track that I've never heard, and I would instantly say, "That's Anata." Um, it, it really is. You know that they managed to take this this particular genre and do something a little bit different with it. The most amazing thing of all, if I remember correctly, reading about them back in the day, these were all kind of part time guys. You know, they you know that they had day jobs. They were like mechanics and postmen and whatever else they happened to be. And then, and this is just kind of stuff they were churning out on the weekends. I mean, the quality, if you take that into account, is. Absolutely remarkable. Um, really, really great. Um, the, the last release was in 2006, though apparently they're still active. But again, as you, unfortunately, as with a lot of these bands, whether we'll actually see anything else from them remains to be seen. Check them out, guys. Anata, absolutely sensational. A-N-A-T-A, Anata, absolutely great. of comments on uh, what you just said so <clears throat> point number yeah. one I've, I've got a lot of admiration for these um not necessarily amateur but I, i'm, I'm going to say semi-pro yeah. bands mm-hmm. um who um you know meet up from time to time and make mm-hmm. a record and then go their separate ways again or or just sort of go go back to their daily lives <clears throat> um we discussed last week is there an upper limit to creativity mm-hmm. and um, here's another thing that I, I, I should have said at the time. If you space it out, um, maybe there isn't. If you're determined to do all of your work in a 10-year or a 12-year period, then I can see the well going dry really, really quickly. Yeah. But if you do that, um, if you like do your day job and then take a two weeks vacation, um, once every you know, like spend all your whole entire week's vacation, once every two years or something, and you all time it at the same time, meet your buddies. Um, and if you can do that, uh, write and record an album or, um, yeah, write and record an album and then turn it over to whoever the producer is and tell them to take the time over mixing it. And then once you've got the rough cuts down, then maybe you can all go back one by one and yeah. replace the guitar parts and, um, like get all the dubs in and stuff like that. Then it, I, you can probably sustain your creative well for a really long time. Mm, mm. The other comment I was going to make, um, since we mentioned 70s porn earlier on, (laughs) um, time for a bit of a reference. Um, When anyone um, says the the words technical death metal, um, I I, I pretty much have to do a Linda Lovelace. Um, I I, I have to concentrate hard on suppressing my gag reflex. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, where, where does that response come from, Doc? Uh, very specifically, the band's Atheist. Mm-hmm. 
Death. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, who I <laughs> I don't enjoy one little bit. Yeah. I mean, uh, I can't speak to atheists so much. I've heard all this stuff, but you know, once or twice. But but Death, you know, I've, I've heard all of their albums multiple times, and I do go back to their first couple of albums quite regularly. You know, we're talking uh, leprosy. I think, I think that might be the second album. Scream Bloody Gore, I think, is their first album. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, have you heard the early stuff, Doc? Because I think you dig it. Um, maybe I haven't. Um, mm. <clears throat> the only death albums I've heard uh, were from when they started doing, doing interviews and saying things like, oh, we don't even consider ourselves metal, it's just extreme music. Right, yeah, and, we just pompous uh, asses, basically. Yeah, and it, my sort of overweening reaction to that is, oh, fuck off. Yeah, no, 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 <laughs> just, no. oh, fuck off. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's fair enough, I think that is the correct response, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I do recommend uh, Scream Bloody Gore in particular. Well, I mean, both Scream Bloody Gore and Leprosy are two absolutely sensational death metal albums. I think it's before. I don't. I would not classify either of those albums as technical death metal. For me, they're just straight ahead, kind of Floridian death. Well, in which case, yeah, I probably would dig them. Um, yeah. Um, you know, when when you take death metal and the members of a death metal band seem like they're starting to get embarrassed about reading Lovecraft and watching horror films. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, you, you end up with death metal with all of the fun taken mm. out of it. Well, you know, it's time for our weekly uh, Nocturnus reference here. Um <laughs> 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 I would say Nocturnus, the key, is, is far more of a technical death metal album than, than either of Death's first two efforts. It's not until you get to kind of human, I think, is one of them. (laughs) 
can't remember, I can't remember the other the other titles, but yeah, I think it's not until you get to their third and fourth releases that they start to kind of vanish up their own anuses. <laughs> but the thing is, do they have lyrics as good as um, "bones crashing, skull smashing in the vice of hell, soul screaming, veins bleeding in the lake of fire"? Do they have nah. lyrics that good? No, they don't. And they certainly don't have. They certainly. I mean, lake of the opening track, "Lake of Fire." To, to the honest, honestly, but did, we, we, we've got to stop talking about nocturnes. We, we, we definitely need to do. <laughs> no, a separate, we definitely need to do a separate bloody podcast, Doc. We're obsessed. <laughs> Before we wind up on Nocturnus this evening, uh, the first time, the key might have been um, the first proper death metal band I ever heard. And uh, I took it, someone lent it to me. I took it to bed. I, I put it on my personal stereo and, and, and thought, oh, I'll, I'll give this a listen uh, for a couple of minutes before I go to sleep. <clears throat> And I was sat there, bolt upright, in bed, listening to that album from one end to the other before I knew what was happening. <laughs> and for a good 48 hours, um, I thought there was no other band on earth I ever wanted to listen to. I know, I know. And if anyone ever asked me in the future what kind of music I was into, I was just going to say, The Key by Nocturnus, <laughs> and that's it. That's all I ever listened to, yeah. And, 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 and who could blame you? You're, you're only flesh and blood. Um, <laughs> chow time, motherfuckers. Here we go. Um, we've got a few today, actually. Hang on. One, two, three, four, five, six, would you believe? Um, we've had some sound problems over the last few episodes. I'm t- let me tell you a secret, guys. I blame the doc. I thought he was like rattling away on his keyboard, and I was getting quite annoyed. And at, at one point... I, I, I screamed in the doc's face and stop fucking typing he pinned me to the wall don't you dare say that to me again he said um and i've never seen him so furious turns out in fact it was my fault um i was balancing my laptop on my knee as we were recording and of course the the microphone was picking up every single movement i made apologies guys hopefully we've now remedied the problem um the thing is, it, it's, it, it might have led to a long-lasting beef um, mm. because uh, I, I, I learned from a human um, that, um, that there's, there's, there's a thing called shitter or twatter or something, and uh, apparently Mo had called me out um, mm. on, on, on this thing, um, and he called me a typer. I did, I did that's right, yeah. It looks like we got ourselves a typer. Get this! Another true story. This is going to frighten you because it's absolutely true. I'm down in that town, Fife. After the show, I go to a Waffle House. I'm not proud of it. I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm eating, I'm alone, and I'm reading a book. Waitress walks over to me. Hey, what you reading for? <laughs> Is that like the weirdest question ever? I have never, ever been asked that. You know what I mean? What are you reading? Oh, okay. But what are you reading for? <laughs> Shit, you stumped me. <laughs> Why do I read? I don't know. Guess I read for a lot of reasons, you know. And one of them is so I don't end up being a fucking waffle waitress. All right? <laughs> 
then this trucker in the next booth gets up, stands over me and goes, well, looks like we got ourselves a Rita. Next correction. We were talking about dissection, and I kept referring to the lead singer as John Nodsvod, um, <laughs> because I just couldn't remember his name. It's actually John Nutvite. I, I, mean, I wasn't far off, but it, it's worth correcting, I would say. Um, um, we'd better make sure that isn't a terrible mistake, because... Um, I'm sure the man in question wouldn't have wanted any of interpretation of his name to have been something like John Not White. Oh, oh that's true. Oh, very interesting. Not White. Do you think that might? You think that might be Not White as a translation? Uh, no, I, 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 um, I really don't think that's true at all. But oh. um, basically, um, I don't believe Nazis should get a break. So I, I, I just couldn't resist getting a bit of a bash in there. Yeah, um, yeah. I said. We were talking um, about God of War during the uh, video game update section. I said that prior to the remake, the 2018 remake, Kratos, the lead character, was clean-shaven. He wasn't. He's always had a bit of a goatee, but now he's got a full-on Viking bush. What do you think of that, Doc? Splendid. Um, yeah. uh, is, is it sort of plaited into a single plat? It, 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 it's just a, a, a big, manly... Viking bush that the, the, the video game developers can't resist having lovely big close-ups on as often as possible just to demonstrate the prowess of their code um next one here we go the doc said that he'd been listening to age of panic by the chromags he meant age of quarrel of course he did doc of course he did yes he did um Age of Panic is a song by the um, lesser um, rap metal post-thrash band Censor from much later in history. Mm. Um, in the Read Between the Lies episode, I got really muffled about halfway through. I don't know why it happened. Hopefully it will not happen again. Again, apologies for a bit of, a, a bit of production quality there. And the last one... Um, in the last episode, I wanted to insert the track that you mentioned, Doc. Um, you said it's called Dimension Hatros by Voivod. Trouble is... Yes, no very, very wrong I was. Oh, here we go. Have you looked into it? Um, I remembered afterwards. There was an album called Dimension Hatros. Correct. Um, the track I was talking about is off a completely different album. Um, and I believe the track I was referring to is called Rise or Arise. Ready for, your, ready for your topic, Doc? Absolutely, I am, yes. Uh, give me a number between one and five. Two. Um, bands who have just one album that you love. Um, I've got three. Any thoughts here? Um, well, 
Well, there's the key by Nocturnus. And... <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't. You, you offer these things up to me, and I can't resist them. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, fair enough. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, how okay, about you? So the key. Yeah. <laughs> oh, not that. Fantastic. Go on, mate. <laughs> um. I'm struggling now. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with the phone. It's interesting, you know, um, how many of my favourite bands, my, in, in scare quotes, favourite bands, mm. have actually only got one album that I really love. Ah, interesting. Um, so maybe, maybe you've got a bunch of these then under your belt. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it depends how obscure you want to go. Mm. Um, Psycho Candy by Jesus and Mary Jane is mm -hmm. one of my top five favourite albums ever. Yeah, but I don't think anything else by them would make it into my top one hundred. Sure, but I, th I think implicit in the question is, you know, I know I've used the word love, but I think implicit in that is the fact they've only really got one album that you can tolerate. You know, um, I'm not arguing with you, but um, I am going to stretch a point here because for a band to have one album in my top five albums ever, mm. and then. Um, I wouldn't say I can't tolerate them, but I, I mean, anything else by them would be very, very, very far down my list of things I'd rush to say from a burning house. Sure. Yeah, sure. Um, so um, let's think about other bands that have got one thing that I love and nothing else I can even tolerate. Shall I shut one out, Doc, while you ever think? Yes, please. Here, Here we, we go. go. Um, go ahead. Guns and Roses, Appetite for Destruction. I think it's, I genuinely think it's a masterpiece. I don't think there's a bad tune on there. I think it is kind of top tier American rock and roll, kind of vaguely, well, vague, you know, vague hints of metal here and there, but not really. Um, super melodic, slash, absolutely fucking firing on all cylinders. Axel's voice is, I mean, is his voice incredible? Maybe not, but it suits the music so brilliantly. Um, the rhythm section, just holding the whole fucking thing together. Br absolutely brilliant. I would say everything else they've ever done is utter, utter shit. Um, so, yeah, that's a real standout for me, Doc. Well, and I'd follow up with what you've just said, um, and I'd put it, make it even more extreme statement. That album is the only tolerable thing from that whole movement. Mm. Oh, yes, sure. From yeah, the whole... Late eighties LA hair metal yeah. thing, yeah. Um, you know, as, as one outstanding album and mm. a huge sewer full of absolute crap. Yes, yes, of course, yeah. Other, other, other bands in that movement, I suppose we've got Motley Crue, haven't we? LA Guns, Rat. Um, what else? <laughs> Say that again. The way you just said that, Rat. Um, um, Warren. <laughs> um, yeah. Absolute um, dirge. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, too too many to name, and not one track worth listening to no. by any of them. That's true. Yeah. Have, have um, you got Have you got a follow up? The, the second one. I'm really really struggling on this mm. this this question. Actually, that's um, all right. I mean, there's there's a lot of bands where I think they've got one outstanding album and nothing else they've ever done quite comes close to it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, in terms of a band who've got one album that I love and nothing else that I can even tolerate, mm. I'm, I'm really struggling now. Let, let, let me give you my um, number two. Um, yeah, you go ahead. Megadeth, Rust in Peace. Um, I, think, I think it's a fine album overall. I think there are, there are two or three genuinely exceptional metal tracks on there in fact i would go so far as to say that holy wars the punishment jew it's a strong contender for my favorite thrash track of all time <laughs> Um, but nothing else they've ever released has, has interested me in the slightest. It's Dave's voice. That's the problem. I, I quite like some of the music, but then Dave starts kind of, kind of almost like this kind of reedy, almost like whispery, but yet kind of whiny wail over the top of the music. I think it's absolutely fucking awful. His ego really ran away with him because he should have been wise enough to go, you know, I'm the guitarist. We've got Marty Friedman. He can fucking play a bit as well. We'll just play the fucking music and we'll actually get somebody in who's a competent vocal performer. Um, but of course that, that was that, that, you know, I presume that that was impossible for him due to his, you know, his, his kind of, um, what's the word? Narcissistic tendencies. Yeah, um, I mean, this, this is a this, this is a much harder question um, mm. than it seems at first. Um, I was about to very very confident uh, confidently come out and say uh, straight out of Compton by NWA. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. But then I started going through the album in my head, and I realised I don't actually like that album all that much. Right. Um, it's um, it's half genius, and you know, when, once again, um, it would have been a fantastic six-track EP. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I mean, it it certainly wouldn't make it into my top twenty of anything. Mm. Um, blimey, this this is a really really hard question. I'm I'm going to have to leave it at two. That's all right. Don't, don't worry. I'll give you my last one. It's uh, the Holy Bible by the Manic Street Preachers. Um, this one's here. This one's here. This one's here. This one's here. Everything's for sale. <laughs>
think it's, I, I think it's, I don't just think it's a great album. I think it's a great work of art. Um, the combination of Richie Manick's lyrics and the, and the, the, you know, kind of the way that they are spliced onto the top of, um, what's the singer's name, Doc? Uh, James Dean. Thank you, sir. James Dean, something else, isn't it? James Dean. Blah, blah, blah. Bradfield. James Dean Bradfield. The, the way that they are spliced on top of James Dean Bradfield's um, you know, you, look, melodies, I, I think it's just magnificent. Now, whilst there are two or three tracks from the previous album, um, which, which which I do genuinely like, as an album as a whole, I don't think it holds together in any way. It's far too long. It's incredibly bloated. Uh, then we move on to their their second album, which was um, Gold Soul. Remind me, Doc. The first one was Generation Terrorists. The second one is Gold Against the Soul. Thank you, sir. And again, you know, there's a couple of tracks on there. Latris Dessa, Durera, I think is great. What's what, what's the one about the the, the like the guy in his bedroom contemplating suicide? Um, I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I haven't listened to that album probably mm. since it came out. That's all right. But it, 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 so again, there's a couple of decent tracks on there. But again, as a, as a whole, it, it does not hold together, and it feels really um, kind of overproduced and sanitized somehow. Then then they drop the Holy Bible. And, and 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 suddenly, you know, the, 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 they felt they felt they felt menacing. They felt threatening. They felt angry and spiky and punky, and it was all great. Then, of course, you know, Richie Manic disappeared, died, whatever happened to him. And since then, oh, I mean, what a fucking what a transformation, Doc, and and not in a good way. Let me tell you. Yeah, I mean, uh, um, Manic Street Preachers are the classic example as far as I'm concerned, of one of those... Uh, I'm, I'm disagreeing with you. I'm not saying that your point has no validity. Mm. Um, I think they were always far better in your imagination um, mm -hmm. than they were um, actually on record. Um, I saw them about three times. Yeah. And um, you... They're one of those bands where you leave their show and the memory of the spectacle immediately begins to take shape and mutate in your mind. Mm -hmm. And within a couple of hours, um, even though you're aware of the fact that you're doing it, you remember the show as being, your irrational mind remembers the show as being much better than your rational mind accurately remembers it. Mm -hmm. And then by the following day, your rational memories of it have decayed completely and all you can remember are the good bits. Right. Mm -hmm. um, which is... I think entirely their point. Um, they sort of always wanted to be this this, this mythological band, um, except unfortunately sooner or later they had to start making records. Yeah, <laughs> and I agree with you. Generation Terror Generation Terrorists has got probably half a dozen really good tracks on it, um, but it's a double album and it it really does drag its feet. 
Um, Gold Against the Soul, like I said, I, um, I never really followed up as an album. And um, yeah, um, the Holy Bible is the, the closest you can possibly get to the album they should have made um, yeah. before they went full on dad rock. From Despair to Where is the track that I've, I, I forgot from uh, God Against the Soul. I write this alone in my bed. I poison every room in our house. The place is quiet and so alone. Pretend there's something worth waiting for. There's nothing nice in my head. Yet I want to get out of the way. I wake with sense. Which I genuinely think is a great, a great rock song, um, but that's about it, really. Um, are we done, Doc? Should we, should we get into the track? Yeah, um, and with the acknowledgement that you defeated me. In what way, sir? Well, uh, you asked me a question, uh, and you asked for three, three examples, and I could only come up with two. Well, there we go. Finally, the doc has failed, so he will be instantly dismissed and we'll have a new co-host next week. Um, don't forget, you can contact us on Twitter at Vercast or on email at slytanicvercast at gmail.com. Get in touch, guys. Welcome to part two of the show. Here we're going to play the track. Pause it from time to time to discuss what we're listening to and generally just get on down. Today's track is, of course, Cleanse the Soul. Here we go. <laughs> What do we think, Doc, about this, this opening section? We've got, kind of got that, like, that da -da opening riff and then it kind of rips into a bit of kind of high adrenaline thrash. What what are we thinking? I loved it. Yeah. I, I think it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, even though I know this album well, um, mm. you discombobulated me quite a bit last week when you said sort of pretty much prepare for the remainder of the tracks on this album to not work completely. Mm -hmm. um, I... I find that the in fact I find this whole track works really really well. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's nothing particularly new here. It's mm. all bits that we've heard Slayer do before. Have we ever heard Slayer put them together in quite this way before? Uh, in, in particular, what what we're talking about? Um, well, does the uh, da da um, opening, which is kind of one kind of thing that Slayer do, and then there's the brutal, relentless thrash immediately afterwards, which is another kind of thing that Slayer do. Um, can you think of another track where the two things have been sandwiched together so immediately like that? Uh, no, I can't. And, and, uh, interestingly, Doc, you just kind of made a little faux pas, which was kind of going to be one of my criticisms of that first riff, because it goes duh, duh, and you just said duh, duh, duh. Now, part of my problem is, I think that's what it sounds like. You know, like somebody says, let's imagine at the end of like a, a shitty American soap opera, somebody says, you know, and you're not the father. And then the music goes, dun, dun, dun. 
it kind of has that feel, <laughs> you know it kind of has that feel yes. to me it just it, it really sounds like really kind of kind of overly dramatic and cliched I don't I really don't like those opening those opening chords um it then gets into the rap into the thrash which is which is pretty generic um I get the feeling doc and and, and I'm tingling with excitement I don't think we're going to agree about this track at all. Should, should we press on and find out? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's. Body that rests before me with every dying breath. Spellbound in gang. I can't shoot much. Stop it there because it, it, we're about to burst into the solos. I mean, to me, Doc, it's just it's it, it's just so cookie cutter. Um, there's nothing like implicitly wrong with it, um, but it it, it 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 just does not engage me in the slightest. Well, here's the funny thing: um, you're absolutely right. I don't agree with you, mm. um, but to make a rank hypocrite out of myself. Um, a couple of weeks ago, did I not say that um, there was a, the track we were listening to was disappointing to me a bit because it sounded like a, a rain in blood outtake? Yeah, that, that, that was silent screen, Doc. You, 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 I think in particular you were disappointed because you felt that they kind of, uh, the, 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 you know, the, the, they'd kind of dropped the ball because they, you know, the, the, they'd kind of left rain and blood behind with the open the south of heaven and kind of immediately went, fell back on, on, on their old tropes. Yeah, uh, just uh, like um, stuck their neck out, their, their necks out really, really bravely, and succeeded by doing it, and then immediately crawled back into their safe space. And that was yeah. one of the things that was most disappointing to me. Mm -hmm. um, when they did something, uh, I, I passed comment as well that when they did something similar much later in the album, that didn't bother me nearly as much because I thought it was earned. Yeah, now was that Ghost um, of War? Do we think? I think it probably was. Yeah, yeah I think it yeah. was. Here's a question then. Why doesn't this bother me nearly as much as it should and mm. nearly as much as clearly it bothers you? <laughs> um, here's a couple of reasons. By the time we get to the middle of side two, my expectations are not high. Um, and this is nothing to do with Slayer. This is just the, the, the way the albums traditionally are structured. Mm -hmm. The middle of side two is, what, is, is where bands either bury their high-concept experimental track, which may or may not work, um, or, or they pull out a bit of filler for it. Um, so I don't think I was expect, expecting a lot going into this track today. Um, sure. The problem is I can't actually refute or rebuff a single thing that you said. Mm -hmm. It is kind of cookie cutter. It is stitched together from bits and pieces. But there's, I hope by the end of the track I'll have identified what it is. There's something about it which was absent from the silent screen that really does engage me for whatever reason this riff is kind of catching your imagination it's it's the riff I, that, that's the only thing i can put my finger on about mm. what it might be at the moment mm. you know if you were to ask me the question you know if, if you were to get very confrontational well why do you like this but you didn't like this other thing mm -hmm. and um 
in the final case, the only thing I can point to, this is a better riff. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. I'm also struggling with uh, with Tom's vocal delivery again. I think he's gone back to kind of the, like the nasal, whiny stuff, which I haven't liked previously on this album. I don't know. It, 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 it's just, for, for me, it is just not potent enough. Um, it's also it's also really buried in the mix, almost as if they knew that it wasn't strong enough. Yeah, that's a good. Should we press on? Yeah, let's 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 do that. So get ready for our game because solos abound. Here we go. <laughs> Who we got, Doc? Who, uh, not, not solo. Kerry King. That is Kerry King. Bravo, sir. There we go. <laughs> You know how much I love Dave. You know it. I've said it often enough. But again, we're kind of back yeah. to the to the to the behind the crooked cross problem, which is it, it's all gone a bit bumtish for me, Doc. Um. Well, he's he's not really hanging it out the way he normally does, is he? Mm, mm. Um. I don't think, except for the the very beginning of the track, I don't think I've heard any particular Dave Tasticness in this song. Sure. Sure. I've got a radical theory for you. Um, I know there's almost certainly no evidence. Um, if there were, it's lost to the mists of time. And, it, and even if there were, then I don't think any members of Slayer would admit to it. Um, this was about the point when um, Dave was first, I won't say angling to quit the band, but I think probably was getting disappointed about um, his profile and his wages and stuff like this. No, he didn't. Well, sorry, Doc, sorry, Doc just, just for clarification, he, he'd already quit the band at least once. He quit the band during the Rainy Blood tour, but due, you know, due, to kind right. of finan due to financial wranglings. So, you know, I mean, yeah. whether, whether he'd quit again at this point, I, I can't clarify, but certainly, you know, he, he had already walked out at least once. Do we know for a fact that it's even Dave on this track? Oh, I've, I've I've read nothing to the contrary. Um, but but I mean, but it's, it's a great question. You know, you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what a conspiracy theory you've just thrown out there, Doc. Like like a massive grenade that you know, the, like the bum the, like the bum tish tracks. It 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 it's some kind of filling drummer. What a, what what a brilliant concept. Um, it's either a session musician or one of their mates. Mm. Um, or it's. Um, probably far more believable. It's Dave on strike. Mm. I mean, that, that, I mean that, that, that's a great proposition. That, that you, all right, I'm in the band, but I'm just going to do like the bare minimum and, and contribute nothing. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's very interesting. Yeah. Um, because, because to me, this does not sound like Dave. You know, kind of really, really firing. Um, it, it, it just feels like. Here's the thing. This feels like a beat that any other drummer would play. And that is not, that's not my Dave, Doc. That's not my Dave. No, I mean, the, the, the more I think about it, it's got 
the hallmarks of a man fulfilling a contract, obliged mm. to come to work under duress, mm. and he's got his union rule book and decides that um, whilst management can make him stay to the end of his contract, he is allowed to work to rule and do the bare minimum of work required to say he's actually completed a day's work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, 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 he's provided a beat. That, that's his job. That's what you're paying me for. Yeah. I've done it. See you later, guys. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, listeners should note, I have no evidence. I've never read anything. Nobody's ever told me anything. All of that is out of my imagination. Mm, mm. Yeah, the, the, the doc has just pulled it out of one of his five anuses, basically. Yeah, so I mean, please don't go circulating this as known fact or stated fact. Um, it is, um, it's the it's the insane speculation of a Lovecraftian entity. Absolutely, yes, and 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 that will stand up in any court, I imagine. <laughs> Here we go, Doc. I mean. We get some kind of classic Dave stops there, but it, but even those don't feel particularly imaginative. It, it, that feels like that's where anybody would put the stops. There's no kind of missing stop to make it feel weird. There's no stop in, in, a, in an unusual place. Yeah, you've got to put some stops in. That's where they go, in it? Well, I mean, if I could play drums a bit and, as, and we were having a jam and we swapped instruments... Um, and you said to me, right, do something with some Slayer stops in. Mm. That's what I'd do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, just uh, on, Dave's, on, on Dave's part, in this track so far, uh, uh, for me, we're just seeing a, a paucity of imagination. I don't think he's helped by the fact that, you know, the, 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 just the generic nature of the riff, which does not captivate me like it does you, Doc. Um, but no, I don't... Must try harder, Dave Lombardo. Can I um, can I hang a theory out there now, Mo? Go on. Um, I can't help but observe that um, even though you're not a drummer and never mm. have been, your enjoyment or love of any given Slayer track is greatly dependent on the quality of Dave's performance. Yeah. It, it, that's that's really interesting, and and it is something I've contemplated before because I can't think of another band where that is true. Um, you know, where, where where the drumming performance is so important to me. You know, as much as I love um, Pete Sandoval from from Morbid Angel, and you know, and, and just as awesome as the guy from Vader, for example, is. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the, it, no, it, it it is not quite as integral. I, I just think, I for me, well, there's two of them really. For me, it, it's Dave and Jeff. You know that those guys, the combination of those two guys, is the special source that makes Slayer just so fucking awesome. And so, so when I hear one of them not quite at the top of their game, it, it just really stands out to me. You know, we're talking degrees of excellence, aren't we? Let's be honest. You know. I'm, I'm, I'm criticising Dave here, but let's be fair, he's doing, he's doing a bang-up job as a thrash metal drummer. Um, it's just not quite to his kind of superhuman levels, and, 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 and I, find it, I find it troublesome, Doc. I don't think he should. Um, obviously, neither of us are drummers, and mm. as anyone who's had the chance to watch a good drummer at work, 
um, in the studio or in the practice room or on stage um, knows other musicians that tend to be in awe of drummers. Yeah. Um, I know I am. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know how they do it. Anyone who can play the drums, I literally don't know how you guys do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've tried for hours, um, <laughs> and I, I've, I've, I've had some, uh, some tutelage, and I, I, I can't do that stuff. Mm. It, my, my muscles and my motor neurons just don't let my arms and legs work in that way. Sure. Um, so you, you've, you've got that sort of awe to start with. Um, Dave is special for me because he's the person who brings the eclecticism or the, even the, the, the exoticism to Slayer. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you, you know, for instance, that Slayer are never going to like drop in a, an Arabic riff like Maiden do, or mm. they're um, they're never going to just do a slow droning song mm-hmm. uh, or anything like that. But... Oh, duck, 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 duck. I think you might find at some point in the in the arse end of their back catalogue that maybe you haven't heard yet, they do both of those things. You know. Oh, goodness me. There you go. So that's something for you to look forward to. It kind of is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It kind of is. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, it, it's it's Dave who brings all of these really strange eclectic influences that on paper shouldn't work in the context of thrash. Mm. I think this is what infuriates me most about people like Atheist. Um, Atheist will, like, wave a big flag over their jazz-influenced section, and they'll mm. wave a big flag over their Latin-influenced section. Um as if to go, um, we've we're not even writing a song here. We, we, we're just literally pimping our skills sure. um, in a list after another. Yeah. Um, but I think possibly because Slayer have only got one guy who's doing that. Mm. It's out a mile in a good way, as opposed to sticking out a mile in a bad way. Yeah, that's why bands like Dream Theater really make my make my skin crawl, you know, because it just seems to me to be an exercise in, in demonstrating technique um, rather than actually trying to write, I don't know, like a fucking good song. Yeah, I mean, uh, Dream Theatre are an interesting example because, I mean, that they're, they're well-known to be a band that drummers love, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yes. You have these bands, don't you? I think you're quite right. Dream Theatre, that's a drummer's band. But then you get, to, I don't know, something like Primus, and that's the bass player band, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, and, you know, which is interesting because um, Les Claypool, being the really quite modest, diffident man, um, mm-hmm. That he actually is in real life has um, always been at pains to like downplay his own skills and and um, make a point of the fact that Primus is a band and he he went out of his way to select two musicians who are better than him. Yeah, yeah. His um, name is Mud, and we all know it.
Come on, Doc, let's press on. <laughs> thing just feels sloppy and half baked even even the guitar lines it, it's it just it feels like they can't be bothered it, it, it's oh it's track eight we can't we, we, we just can't be bothered once again it's really hard for me to come up with any any convincing argument as to why you're wrong mm. um and probably for the first time in this project um i'm just gonna have to get a little emotivist and kind of metaphorically um, fold my arms and stick my lower lip out and go, well, I like it. <laughs> um, I, I can't actually disagree with a single thing that you, you know, I, um, the best I can do is to say, well, there was an interesting time signature in that mm. last section. Mm. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just waiting for it to catch fire. I want it to go somewhere. I want, you know, I want some dynamics, but it, it, again, those stops were just, just exactly where anybody else would put them because it's so kind of blindingly obvious that that's where they go. Um, and you know, the, the melody on the guitar when it, when it transitions up, well, that's obviously where you're going to go. Come on guys, you're better than this. <laughs> I think the only thing is, I, I, I can probably say I'm just a, a much less demanding Slayer fan than you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should we close it out, Doc? We've got about 40 seconds left. Let's do that. Here we go. <laughs> Bumtish, bumtish, bumtish. I'm pregnant. Now, not solo, Doc. Um, well, that's got to be Mr. Hanneman, hasn't it? That is a Mr. King, I'm afraid, sir. Is it? It is. Two Here we go. consecutive carry solos. It, well, in fact, I kind of cheated you a little bit because I, I stopped it for the first King solo. I then didn't stop it for the Hanneman, and then I did stop it for the second King. So I've, I've, I've kind of tricked you a little bit there. I've, I've, <laughs> I've, not intentionally, but I've kind of uh, tripped you up slightly. Here we go. <laughs> So there we go. That was track eight from South of Heaven, which is, of course, Cleanse the Soul. Come on, the Doc. Justify your thoughts. Um, honestly, I can't. Um, mm. Here's what I liked about it. Um, it mashed together the two things that Slayer do that you don't hear them doing very often. Um, I thought it hung together solid. I mean, mm. you're, you're pushing me now to justify myself by trying to... Um, explain why I think it's an outstanding track. And I don't think it's an outstanding track. I think it's a good track. Yeah. Um, I, 
I don't honestly think we're going to get much further than I liked it more than you did. Yeah, yeah. It, it's funny, isn't it? You know, because I mean, you know, I actively dislike that song. Um, I don't actively dislike many Slayer songs. That one I do. There's just something about, I don't know if it's the frequencies, um, the combination of kind of Tom's whiny voice and and just the frequency that the the, the guitars are at. I don't, I I don't, I don't know what it is, but it it sets me on edge and I don't like the feeling. Not in a good way. I I don't like the feeling. Um, I, I think, I think I think the whole thing's a little bit vapid. I think that's the problem, Doc. Yeah, um, I mean, um, if we're going to talk about this song in the context of vapidity, I think we should probably move on to the next section. Welcome to part three of the show, Evil Speak. Here we're going to read through the lyrics and talk about them. Kerry King wrote these lyrics. <laughs> Kerry King wrote these lyrics. Um, before I say anything else about the lyrics, I need to repeat myself and say, Kerry King wrote these lyrics. Verse one. Body that rests before me with every dying breath. Spellbound and gagged, I commence your flesh to dirt. All right, Duck. All right, so uh, what's happening here? Kerry King wrote yeah. these lyrics. <laughs> um, they don't rhyme, they don't scan. Um, uh, body that rests before me with every dying breath. I mean, it. <clears throat> Spellbound and gagged is, is, is a slightly witty use of the English language, I'll, I'll, I'll grant you. I commence your flesh to dirt. Mm-hmm. Um, these are one of these sort of moments in Slayer. So we're just talking about how, um, at the very best, this track sounds like Dave Lombardo on autopilot. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this is Kerry King in full-on will-this-do mode, isn't it? I mean, I like the word spellbound. Because that's just a great word, yes. isn't it? It's just a beautiful word. Yes. So the, 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 kudos for the use of the word spellbound. I commence your... Fl- I mean, unless there's a, a, a use of the word commence that I'm not aware of, Doc, that makes no sense, does it? No. Um, I mean, I, I, I assume he means commit. That's my take. I commit your... Fl- because to commence only means to start, doesn't it? It means... It, it has no other meaning, does it? Am I wrong? No, you're absolutely correct. And mm. I mean, I'm reading this line, I'm trying to break the word up into, um, you know, contractions. Because uh, Kerry's done this before. Kerry's contracted two unrelated words into a mm. new word. And once mm. you figure out where the break is, then it kind of makes sense. But uh, I mean, uh, <coughs> the, I can't think of a guy writing lyrics for, I mean, you've got to go right the way back to Yes Please era Happy Mondays Mm. uh, before you can think of lyrics that are clearly written either five minutes before they had to go and record the track um, or were just sort of blurted out when the rest of the band were playing. Um, I commence your flesh to dirt. I, I mean, that, that's that's a candidate for some of the 
worst use of the English language by native English speakers. <laughs> uh, earlier, to, in, earlier, in today, earlier today, earlier today, kind of in preparation for, the, for this episode, I was listening to the song, reading the lyrics, and I, I stopped at that point. And I, I, I shit you not, I, I, I kind of rewound it seven, eight, nine times because I was thinking, is, is Tom singing, I commit your flesh to dirt? But no, he's not. He's clearly, clearly saying comments. I thought I was going mad. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, it makes, it makes no sense. It does not. Um, uh, body that rests before me. So the use of the word body, I, I mean, that infers a dead body, doesn't it? But I suppose a body is a body, whether it's alive or dead. Um, yes. You know, so then with every dying breath, I suppose we can accept that. So, so the body is alive at this point. We can accept it, it, it's alive, but dying. All right, we can do that. Spellbound. So there's some kind of, I don't know, you know, some, some kind of magic you know, so, some kind of wizardry is taking place at this point. And then, you know, it, it, it's being put into the ground. That, that, that's it, isn't it, Doc? There, there's no other reading here, is there? No, no possible other reading. Um, no subtext whatsoever. Mm. Verse two. Body that lay before me in everlasting death Body that lay before me in everlasting death, entombed in an abscess, to rot and lie still. <laughs> I nearly made it, Doc. I really nearly got, <laughs> nearly got to the end of that bit. <laughs> oh, it's been a while. It's been a while since Kerry's made me laugh. Um, <laughs> it, I think the last time was on uh, Hello Eight, so it, it's, been, it, it's, been, it's been a couple of albums <laughs> since. It, <laughs> invoked such mirth um, entombed in an abscess <laughs> <laughs> to rot lies stinking in the earth and now I was again you know kind of listening to it I, I kept listening to I mean you, you know the word that, that I'm drawn to there is that word abscess I was looking at that word and thinking again, you know, am I going fucking mad? Um, and, and so, you know, I, I turned to the internet to just to be sure, to be absolutely sure that there was not a meaning of the word abscess that I was unaware of. And I think pretty categorically, I've, my research has indicated that the word abscess means this, in quotes, a swollen area within body tissue containing an accumulation of <laughs> I don't know I mean, how you entomb somebody in that, but maybe carry those something we don't. Um, well, uh, I think you'll find Carcass made a concept album about that. <laughs> Very good. About how you can entomb someone in an abscess. Um, he means abyss, doesn't he? He, he, he means abyss, abyss. Of course he does. He does. So, so we've got commence <laughs> when he means commit. We've got abscess when he means abyss. I mean, come on. Just <laughs> fucking proofreading, for Christ's sake. <laughs> um, I'm fascinated by the sudden switch in tense here as well. Oh. In the, body um, in the first verse, in the first 
verse, you have body that rests before me, simple present. Oh, yes. Um, in the second verse, you have body that lay before me, simple yes. We're in the very. I hadn't spotted that, Doc. As an English teacher, I should be absolutely ashamed of myself. Well, I, I, when when I began to read the second verse, I thought, oh, we, we, we've we've got an interesting time shift here. We've mm. moved from serving the something that's present, being going on in the present, to memories of something that happened. Before. But no, mm. no, mm. nothing like that. No, no. Instead, uh, it's just somebody somehow being entombed in, in, in a swollen area. Perhaps. <laughs> yeah, very, very strange. Um, I mean, to rotten lie stinking in the earth. I mean, that's just a desperate attempt to sound kind of dark and horror, isn't it? Yes. Just just put the word rot and the word stinking in it. Yeah. Um, I've got nothing against kind of just like crass horror references, of course. But <laughs> I think I think couple and, and to be honest, Doc, this kind of surely this just backs up my notion that this, this whole track has just been slapped together without any any care or thought. If I wasn't by now pretty familiar with what terrible lyrics Kerry King was capable, and I mean, <laughs> you know, for, for, for balance here. Um, some of Kerry King's lyrics are amongst some of my favourite lyrics. Yeah. Um, but um, when when Kerry decides to write shit poetry, oh my god, it's terrible. Also, um, some of the blame has to go. In fact, you know, the, you, you, the, the, the lyrics are written by Tom and Kerry. Um, no, they're not. They are. No, well, they're not. This apparently, <laughs> apparently, they are. Um, and. and I mean, some of the blame has to lie at Tom's. Even if, even if Kerry, even if you're right, Doc, and Kerry wrote every single word, some of the blame has to go to Tom because he read the fucking lyrics and he agreed to sing. Oh them, yeah, you know. Um, well, I mean, uh, we presume the lyrics had to be at least passed by at least one. Of, the, 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 there must be some quality control going on here somewhere. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's got to be at least some concept of collective responsibility in the Slayer camp. Mm. Anything else to say here, Doc, or should we go on to verse number three? Oh, I'm enjoying myself far too much to stop now. Let's go on to verse three. <laughs> Empty altar awaits its victim, stained glass windows black. Candles burn the midnight oil, incense fills the night. Observing trance, waking state, lying still unknowing, reciting the passage of time, prepare for the impaling. I nearly did it. I nearly did it. I nearly got through the whole fucking thing with a straight face. <laughs> I, I, I knew that last year. Oh, my God. <laughs> I knew that last year um, would trip you up. <laughs> That's had the same effect on me that abscess had on you. Oh, my dear Lord. Um, I've just got to read them again because they're so great. <laughs> Empty opera awaits its victim, stained glass windows black. That's not terrible. No, no candles burn the midnight oil, incense fills the night. Now, burning the midnight oil um, is an allusion or aphorism mm -hmm. in popular use. Um, meaning uh, working hard, working late, yes, um, doing unpaid overtime. Mm -hmm. um, 
not characteristics I particularly associate with candles. No, 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 no. But, but maybe, maybe Kerry wasn't aware of that particular usage, you know, of that, of that particular expression. Um, so, you know... Well, in that case, was, was he equally unaware of the fact that candles run on candle, they don't run on oil? <laughs> exactly. Oh, that, that, I mean, that's a good point, Doc. In, in general, <laughs> candles are made out of wax, aren't they? You're, you're quite right. Yeah, you are quite right. I mean, candles burn the midnight wax. That wouldn't be a terrible lyric. Mm, mm. And I mean, then, then it just gets peachy after this. Observing trance, awaking state, lying still, and knowing. <laughs> that, these are all words of English. <laughs> They're all words that can be found in any easily available English dictionary. And I think that's where he found them. <laughs> and they've just um, it, he's just smacked them together in some kind of random order. Observing yes. trance. So you know. It, it, for, for any kind of observation to be taking place, there needs to be some kind of subject, doesn't there? There needs to be an observer watching, observing a subject. Um, so, you know, <laughs> let's at least make an effort here. Who could be observing what? Well, the the, the murderer, the satanist, the, mm. the, the, the whatever. Um, obviously, what he wants to say here is something along the lines of, um, I am observing this sacrificial victim mm-hmm. um, who some sort of witchery to place them in a state whereby they're incapable of movement mm-hmm. or any reaction, uh, but are still fully cognizant of what's being done to them. That's although, what he wants to say. Although it says lying still unknowing. So that, 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 that kind of can, counteracts the point that they are cognizant. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Yeah. Um, they're awake. Right. Um, they're aw- somehow they're aw- they are aw- they're in an awaking state. So an awaking state. He's using the progressive form as if some action is taking place. But he, uh, again, here he kind of means awakened or the awakened state, doesn't he? You know, he, he kind of means he, he, he he's employing the progressive form incorrectly here. Um, lying still unknowing so whoever this is the victim they they use the word victim um is lying there awake or in the process of of waking perhaps but they know not what is happening to them is that fair enough yeah or possibly um unknowing who who is doing it to them? That's a good point, Doc. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm doing my best to be kind. That's true. I'm doing now, my best to cut this thing flat. Reciting the passages of time. What, what could they be, Doc? Not, the passages of time. Recite. Because well, the it, passage it, of time is, is, you know, the idea of, of time passing, isn't it? Um, but you can't recite that because that's, that, that's an abstract concept, not words. Well, it's is, is going getting proper poetic here, is getting proper Byronic here, mm. reciting the passages um, as if from a, 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 a book or a grimoire. Sure. Exactly. I've got to use the word grimoire. I'm so happy. <laughs> um, reciting the passages of time. Um, so, once again, this is, this is Kerry like almost getting um, 
the fundaments of poetry. Um, and one of them is, I suppose you can say, to, to use one word for two purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, except the point is you're supposed to use one word for two purposes. Mm-hmm. If you'd said reciting the passage of time, um, that would have been quite good poetry. But he doesn't. He says reciting the passages of time. And, and, and then, of course, we get to that word at the end. And, 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 it, and it just begs the question. Prepare for the impaling. The impaling of, the, the impaling of what? And why? By whom? <laughs> you know? It's absolutely it's magnificent stuff. And at this point, he's just going, yeah, we'll use the word impaling. Yeah. That, yeah. that sounds metal. Um, yeah. <laughs> talking about people who speak English as a second or third language, um, you open a line of metal lyrics, the word reciting, and I just can't not think of Celtic Frost and recite the cause of pandemonium, chant the cause of pandemonium and recite the words of spell. And, you know, you, you can't help but be moved that a man who, presumably being Swiss, speaks English as his third or possibly even fourth language and could write lyrics that make more sense than these. Uh-huh. Um, let's move on to the last verse. This is our never part, a power of the mind. Death shut on the air of violence, ritual of endless time. Burst your dead body, sacrifice of your life. Death's an art, flesh and earth never part, a power of the mind. Death shines on the air of silence, a ritual of endless time. Purged of your dead body, sacrificed of your life. Unearthly ritual, sealed in fire, enter the kingdom of desire. All right. All right, Doc. So it's just gibberish, isn't it, really? Death shines on the air of silence. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it, um, that's a sort of noun verb combination you don't mm-hmm. hear very. Death shines, really? Mm-hmm. Does mm-hmm. death shine? Yeah. It's a strange verb, isn't it? Because, you know, because shine kind of feels positive and uplifting and happy, happy. You know, it, it, it certainly doesn't sound like dark and evil and satanic. No. Oh, and I mean, it, just take a couple of seconds. How many better verbs can. Could you have thought of death hovers on the air mm. of silence? Death mm. gloats on the air of silence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Death dwells. It's, it's, not, it's not. Yeah, it's it's not difficult stuff to like try and bash some shape into this thing. Mm. Um, by the time when, when you'd finished reading this verse, uh, I, I wanted to comment. And the rhyme scheme's gone down the shitter here now, hasn't <laughs> it? Um, <laughs> but, like, but, yeah, but, but there is no rhyme scheme to begin with to, to go down the shitter, man. <laughs> Um, That's the problem. We've, I think we, we may uh, have a, a touch of Slayer cosmology in this ritual of endless time. You know, do you know I mean, just um, to be like super kind. Let's see what we can mine out of this thing. Death's an art, flesh and earth never part. I mean, it, that's a proper sl- that, that's a proper Slayer lyric. That, mm-hmm. that that could pass muster as a proper a, a proper not a good one, but a proper Slayer lyric. Sure. Um, Flesh and earth never part, a power of the mind. No, it's it's gibberish. It makes no sense. I don't mind the first bit, flesh and earth never part. I, I, can't, I, I like the inference there, the idea that, you know, we are flesh and we will, you know, be, be absorbed back into the earth. I've got no problem with that. You know, the, you know that, that brings to mind, um, you know, our other, 
our other podcast project, Different Doctor, Same Old Shit. You know, we're, 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 I'm sure we'll talk about these kind of concepts when we get to talk about the Tom Baker story, um, Seeds of... Is it Death or Doom? Seeds of Doom. Yeah, Doom. you know, I'm sure we'll talk about those kind of concepts there. So I've got no problem there. Flesh and earth never part. That's not a problem. But then when you go a power of the mind, that has to mean something, doesn't it? You know, and, and, it, and it obviously doesn't. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the difference is that when we get to talk about it in the context of the Seeds of Doom, um, I'm going to be able to sort of speak for a long time about um, uh, environmentalism and mm. about vagina envy um, mm. and, um, Thank you. oddly enough, homosexual panic. Get out your Slaytanic cast bingo cards, guys. It's been a while, but a gay <laughs> <panic>. <laughs> yeah. um, um, But no, I mean, uh, flesh and earth never, uh, never part. Fair enough. Um, <clears throat> you were born from nothing, and to nothing you'll return. Correct. All flesh becomes dirt. That's it. Yeah. Um, I get we, that we, part. But, we should all be rendered unto dust, basically. Yes. Um, a power of the might. No. Uh, I mean, what what was he thinking? The mm. power of them? It, it makes no sense. It just doesn't mean anything. And again, I don't mind this little couplet here. Purged of your dead body, sacrificed of your life. I mean, the tense is a bit weird, but 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 again, the concept's fine. You know, you, you, you've passed to the other side. You are purged of your dead body. You are, your life has been sacrificed. I've got no, no real problem there. It's clunky. Um, and then, <clears throat> you know, so we've had the impaling. Now we've got a, a ritual with fire. Going on to the kingdom of desire, I presume that. I presume that's hell, isn't it, Doc? I think what the song is about um, is obviously one possible interpretation of the meaning of the word sacrifice, which is mm -hmm. to make to, to make a thing into a sacred object. Mm -hmm. I think that's what the song's about. Uh, that to the outsider, um, it might just look like a particularly sort of sordid murder mm. um but a satanist or the 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 evil priest or the protagonist or whatever um knows knows perfectly well that um in fact the the more brutal and more agonizing and the more sustained the murder um the more elevated the soul will be when once it's uh freed of its um it's, a, it's, it's, it's earthly restraints. And of course, I the, think that's what oh, it's about. Oh, sorry, Doug. Yeah, and of, of course, that ties into the title, doesn't it? Cleanse the soul. So you've got this, 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 this soul that is, some, is kind of somehow tainted and, you know, has to be purified before it can pass on to the next existence. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, we, um, we've kind of got something out of it in the end, I suppose. You got anything, to, anything else to say here, Doc, or, or should we just give our closing yeah. thoughts? It's a fascinating subject for a Slayer song. I'm mm. surprised it's taken them this long to get around to it. Mm -hmm. um, we're, we're into some, not particularly Levian Satanism now, but we're, we're, we're into some, I suppose, dark occult mm -hmm. practice now, mm -hmm. um, which crops up in metal songs a lot less often than you'd think. Sure. And I would be really interested to hear a well-written set of lyrics on exactly that subject. Unfortunately, they're not to be found here. No, no, no. They have tackled, you know, quite a deep subject here. There is plenty of scope for interesting analysis, interesting, interesting thoughts to be 
portrayed in the lyrics, but instead, I mean, the, 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 this is just so, just, just so, so amateurish. It, it, it genuinely, absolutely boggles my mind. You know, that you're on your fourth album, you're riding the crest of a wave. Everybody thinks you're metal gods following, you know, the release of Rain in Blood. And you kind of think this is acceptable. Um, I, I, I think it's really, I think it's really strange, Doc. I'll be honest with you. The fact that the lyrics were given so little quality assurance um, seems mysterious. Yeah, it's an interesting subject, um, badly squandered, um, mm. and I know it's always a bad day when you end up thinking to yourself. Um, oh well, can't can't we interpret it as comedy? Um, yeah. it, it, uh-huh. When 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 you fight, but there's there's no other. T- it's it's borderline like the kind of thing something somebody would come up with as an example of metal lyrics to take the piss out of metal lyrics, isn't it? I mean, maybe not lampoon, but you know, I mean, maybe even lampoon to lampoon metal. You know, they they could sing these lyrics. And it, and it would be a perfectly appropriate satire to make the whole genre look absolutely imbecilic. Um, I would probably laugh along with them, to be honest. Yeah, that guy in The Flames and the Claims who pulled up the lyrics to Necrophiliac to try and appall his audience and make sure. them um, understand how terrible metal was. If he pulled these lyrics instead and just said, well, look how stupid this stuff is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 Really, really, really poor, Doc. And I mean, we, we, we've had a laugh along the way, but I'm very, very disappointed um, with the lyrics, as I am with the track in general. Should we close it out? Um, simply by saying, Kerry King wrote these lyrics. <laughs> Welcome to part four of the show. We're just going to give you our final thoughts and summations and then get anything off our chest that we haven't already mentioned. Before that, though, some details. Just to confirm, writing credits, music by Jeff Hanneman and lyrics by Tom Araya and Kerry King. Doc, <laughs> Kerry King wrote these lyrics. Um, <laughs> according to Setlist, get this, this was played zero times. Maybe they didn't like it very much either. I mean, again, it, it just smacks of just slapdashedness, doesn't it? They knew this was a fucking turkey, and they didn't play it even once. Putting it in 118th position. Um, first play, well, nowhere. Last play, nowhere. Um, according to Loudwire... Um, Cleanser Soul comes in at number 100 out of 118. And here's what they say. Um, Before the 15-second mark, Slayer have already played two different riffs, a pair of tempos, and a colossal drum fill. Cleanser Soul exhibits the band at a stage in their career when they wanted to expand the scope of their atmospheric passages by playing at a variety of speeds while remaining heavier than hell. It worked. Full stop. And then I don't get that because that, that that sounds really really positive, and then they slap it at number one hundred. What do you make of that, Doc? Well, I, I can't sort of particularly concur with um, what they mined out of the song for their review. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't find anything particularly experimental about the track. Mm-hmm. So, so at the beginning, and I'll back it. Up and I'll, I'll, I'll follow follow up with it now. Um, it's a Slayer track. I mean, the the conclusion I'm going to come to is, and this might be um, the most damning thing you can ever say about a Slayer track. It was good. I mm-hmm. liked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean. <clears throat> I've, I've, I've kicked it enough to be honest you know I didn't like it I don't like the vibe of it I don't like um the 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 the, the slapdash nature of it I don't like Dave's beats I'm astonished that, that it's entirely written by Hanneman because normally Hanneman's stuff is far far superior um although then again last week's track read between the lines I didn't like particularly either and that was also a Hanneman written track um i i kind of think he, he you know he's, he's, he's had a bit of he's had a couple of bad a couple of off weeks basically um from his usual high standards <sighs> no not for me doc any last thoughts before you pronounce i don't know i mean no. we're, we're, we're into puppy kicking now aren't we mm-hmm. we are um go on then give us your scores give us give us your um your liquescent swords, please. Five liquescent swords out of ten. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Based on you know, based on you, you are more positive about this than I am. So I do understand why you've gone there. I'm giving it. I mean, I get. You see, it's tough, isn't it? Because I'm, I'm kind of comparing it against behind the crooked cross, which really, really annoyed me, um, and read between the lines, which I didn't enjoy very much either. And I think it's kind of somewhere in between. I gave I, I gave Crooked Cross two. I gave Read Between the Lines five. So I'm going to give this one three. Three mouldering most schools out of ten. Um, that about does it with this episode. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter at BearCast or on email at SlateDanitBearCast at gmail.com. Um, join us next time when we'll be talking about the ninth track south of heaven which is of course dissident aggressor a judas priest cover no less doc how about that looking forward to it um <laughs> i i i'm gonna have to encourage members of the audience to read between the lies yeah um, when i say i am really looking forward to this track sure yeah very 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 yeah very, very interesting, Got your tone of voice there. I'm going to be thinking about that for the rest of the week. See you next time. Yeah.